This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, Episode 52. This is Writing Excuses, moving on. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. I'm Dan. And we have special guest star, Ellen Kushner. Yay! Yay! Louder, louder! I can't hear you! (laughs) Well done. Well done. Ellen is a fantastic writer and a previous guest to the podcast. We're glad to have her back. Uh, We are still on the Writing Excuses cruise for one more episode. This is the last one. This is also the last episode of the season. Theoretically, you are at the end of a very long journey, where you, which you have started in January and gone through and completed an entire story using the trademarked writing excuses method. <laughs> we or do not. get royalties okay, based on your success. Time to go do a trademark search. <laughs> um, but it's time to be done. Just like we are now done with our cruise, um, and we are now done with the season, it's time for you to be done with this story you've been working on for a year, and it's time to let go. And this is hard. So I wanted to dedicate an entire podcast to asking the podcasters how they let go of a, of a, an, um, a story and how they move on to the next one. Ellen, do you have any strategies for this? How do you, how do you get out of the mode of one story and into another? Deadlines. <laughs> yeah. Um, deep self-loathing. That always works for me. And it's sort of a general sense that your story is ready to go to kindergarten. You can tie its little shoes, fuss with, fuss with its little hair, and then say, off you go, darling. Have fun, because you've got another story coming on. That's right. I actually made the, the metaphor recently that uh, it, that's why you want to start new stories, so you have a different baby to cuddle for a while while yeah. this one toddles off to school. That's ex- <laughs> There <laughs> we are. Mm-hmm. That, that metaphor <laughs> totally neglects the diaper aspect <laughs> of the cuddly new baby. Oh, I don't yeah. think so. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> the revision process a month ago covered I've, that for me. I've written a lot of stories with a long and painful diaper phase. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny, is, Brandon, you, you mentioned, uh, okay, you know, the cruise is over. We all have to, you know, we, we have to be done. We have to get off the ship. Uh, they have just given us instructions for how to get our luggage off the ship. Mm-hmm. And I realized that finishing a project uh, for me is a lot like a lot like debarking in that it's more than just I got to get myself off of this. I also have to take my processes, my files, my notes. There's a whole bunch of clutter in my workspace that is resulted to, that is uh, uh, attached to the thing that I'm finishing and I need to scrape that off so that I'm starting clean. I would actually like to suggest a completely different version, which is leave it all in a big pile in the corner mm. and immediately turn your attention to the new thing so that you don't have to do anything unpleasant or distracting. This works for me, and I have piles all over my office. To I was going to say, I have seen your office. <laughs> I have seen the narrow path through your office. <laughs> uh, but but it, is, it, it, it is true that, that everybody's brain works a different way. And the main thing, you know, whether it's leaving it in a pile or whether it's cleaning up and putting it in a box, either way, it is it is saying I am this is something I am not working on now. And that is really, really hard because you've been training your mind to turn to this story and think about the problems for, you know, sometimes a year, sometimes for some people like 10 years and letting it go and training your mind to think about something else is really, really hard. 
I was very surprised when I finished the um, the of the, the glamorous history series mm. that I actually went into a little. But actually, I went into a mourning period for it, which surprised me. No one warned me that that would happen sometimes. I guess this happens to parents, the empty nest syndrome. Right. I've heard. My, I'm just waiting for the day that mine are on. <laughs> like, but. I have cats. That's you working know, really well for me. I haven't had these mourning periods when finishing series because um, I. one of the things I do is I outline the rest of the series I'm not going to write, but I know where it would go. And that makes me feel that the story lives and continues oh, without me. And so I, I actually have, like, every book that I've written, I have a paragraph or two written about, here's where it, it goes next, huh. even without ever intending to write those. I'm you know, it's interesting that you're, that's a great idea, but... For me, if you were talking, when you said story, I thought you meant short story. If you were talking novel, to me, the last few months of the novel are the, aren't these people ever going to go home part? <laughs> I am dying for them to leave my brain and my life. It's like you throw this really great party, and it's great, and you're all staying up, and you're all having fun till about three in the morning, and then you kind of keep looking at your watch and looking at the fact that there's really no food or drink left, and they won't leave your living room. You are not going to get that couch back. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, nice please, couch. go home. Yeah, leave. Now. now. That, that's more along the lines of what I think, and and I have to admit, after hearing so many of you talk about the mourning period and, and how do you let go of an old project, that's it's never been an issue for me. Finish a project and, and I will honestly take a few days, not too many, or I get cranky, but take a few days to do nothing, if possible, and then start a new project. And I'm usually so excited about the cool, new, hot, sexy idea that I don't even remember the old girlfriend at all. Mm. You know, it... <laughs> It, it, it only happened to me with series completion. It didn't happen in between books. And I think it's because of what Brandon yeah. was saying, that, that I was able to continue on, uh, you know, that, that their story was continuing on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I had this for Wheel of Time. Yeah. When I got done with the Wheel of Time, I had read, written this. I mean, I'd read it since I was a kid, and then I wrote the three books. And it was the only series that I've written that I can't lie to me, myself and say, oh, I'll do more someday because uh. I didn't own it. And we had decided, uh, Harriet and I, that it was done, that Robert Jordan wouldn't want anymore. So when I hit that one, I actually had a lot of these things where I'm like, I can't write these characters anymore. It was kind of traumatic um, because it, I felt like they'd been ripped away from me. Yeah. yeah. I, I have actually been writing a little bit of fan fiction in my own mm. universe, which is completely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, at and least you're admitting narcissistic, to it. let's No, honest. no, it's not narcissistic at all. Actually, this is what I did with the Swords Point Riverside series. I don't call it fan fiction. I call it the little bits I didn't put into the novels, and I call them short stories, and I sell them for money, and the real... <laughs> trauma of them is that I have to assume that anyone reading these stories has never read any of my novels. And it's a really fun challenge, which is Mm. how can I bring you into my world and caring about my characters in not a lot of words? And also, how can I write in a really different style if I want to? Mm -hmm. This explains why they're still on your couch. (laughs) But but this this is why I call what I'm doing fan fiction which is that I'm assuming that anyone who's reading it has read, and oh, I'm not selling cheater. them. Yeah. yeah, no, it's and it's it's really just something that I, I do to get it out of my head. But the the thing that that helps me with, with short fiction um, and and with novels as well is to immediately start working on the next project, which is the thing you were t- talking about of turning your back on the clutter in the corner. Um, that I, I I have to very quickly start working on the next project. Otherwise, I sit there and obsessively refresh my inbox, waiting to see if someone has rejected it yet. Ah. Or... Bought it. Yeah. Or (laughs) 
sometimes with me, I'm setting this aside before I'm getting to the revision, and I'm checking to see if they're giving me feedback yet. Yes. And that will keep me from getting into the new book is mm-hmm. thinking so much about the feedback. In fact, I have to sometimes tell my assistants, once the book's done, just don't talk to me about it until I'm ready for the feedback. Put it in a file mm-hmm. and don't tell me because otherwise you're going to keep me in that world. Well, I want to fess up then that I actually do – the last thing I want to do is start a new project. And it's nice that we're on sea and I can say this, which is that to me, writing a novel is a long sea voyage. Mm-hmm. My partner always goes, oh, I love it when you're writing. I'm like, no, you don't because I go away on a ship all by myself and I very occasionally stop and provision. But you're, you really your, – your mind belongs to the story and your, your real feelings belong to the story. And by the time – um, I get off that ship onto dry land again. I do not want to go to sea anymore. I want to live my life again. And it really does take me a certain amount of poking, prodding to say, okay, start provisioning and let's get on board again. It's very difficult. Now, I'm going to stop us here um, to talk about some books. And I actually want to do two because we actually promote Ellen's book um, a month back on the podcast, which we recorded yesterday. And I was just bad at coordinating with Ellen. Because uh, I wanted to have her on that podcast. So I'm going to let her pitch her book again to you from her own mouth. And then we're going to have a fan also pitch a book. So will you tell us about Swords Point or any book that you want the, our listeners to go check out of yours? Well, I think you should go and check out Swords Point because I have just finished doing a uh, group serial for SerialBox.com of a 15 years before it prequel during which I found out why all the things that happen in Swords Point actually happen. So um, Swords Point is basically a bunch of bisexuals killing each other. <laughs> wow, this is so different than my summary of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, it takes all kinds. You haven't had to do the elevator pitch for what is essentially uh, Liaison Dangereuse meets... Uh, Meets the Three Musketeers. So uh, it's been tough being the author of this extremely weird and indescribable book, and I very much look forward to hearing what you said about it. Well, and we also want to promote a book um, from an audience member here uh, on the cruise who's going, who has a chance to pitch one of their favorite books. Yes, this is Erica. She's one of our awesome writers, and she's going to tell us about The Cloud Roads by Martha Wells. The Cloud Roads is a fantasy adventure featuring a pretty much entirely non-human cast And it's fantastic seeing these characters with incredibly different sets of instincts who are also very reasonable and really relatable. And we see them interacting with all sorts of other alien cultures. Uh, It's a very different take on a coming-of-age, fitting-in story. And the world is amazingly rich with the sheer variety of life and, hey, flying shape changers. Mm. Hey. (laughs) That is The Cloud Roads by Martha Wells. It is read by Christopher Kapiniak. And it's the first of a series, too. So if you like it, there's a bunch more. And you can get both of these, Swords Point or The Cloud Road, on Audible, pod- on Audible by going to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Start a 30-day free trial, support the podcast, get a free book, and then get a book every month to listen to. I do this at Audible myself, and um, I find that it helps me find time to read, knowing mm-hmm. I've got this book that I can listen to while I'm doing something else. And so instead of turning on the television and ran- listening to random, stupid, whatever sitcom, I listen to a great book, and it has improved my life. And you can knit at the same time. Yes, yes, you can knit. Or drive. Uh, <laughs> so, or clean the or kitchen. Draw. How about cleaning the kitchen? I do clean the kitchen while <laughs> listening to the books. Um, it, it's very helpful. I'm up at, like, you know, midnight when everyone else is a be- in bed, and I want to take a break from my writing. I listen to a book, and I want to stay active while I'm doing it. So, uh, doing so if you would like to get your kitchen cleaned by yes. Brandon. Yes, yes. <laughs> 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 Audiblepodcast.com <laughs> slash excuse. Um, 
Let me ask you a slightly different question, podcasters. One thing that I get a lot from uh, fans and aspiring writers, they come and they ask, how do you juggle multiple projects? What do you do when you're in the middle of something and you've got to put it down and move on to something else because a deadline has come due? Head hacking. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, uh, there, there's any number of uh, mnemonic, mnemonic devices out there to help you remember things. And what I found is that uh, certain sorts of things like uh, music and workspace, mm. uh, lighting, uh, time of day can serve as cues to which parts of my brain I'm accessing while I write this. And when I am embedded in uh, you know, two projects for an extended period of time, uh, like you know, as of this recording, I am, between the Schlock Mercenary comic strip and the Planet Mercenary role-playing game, uh, I carve my workspace into two distinct phases that are temporal and audible and lighting and whatever else so that I'm, you know, I'm hacking my own brain. I'm mm-hmm. teaching my brain to switch between these two tasks a little more cleanly. Yeah, I uh, the two things that I do are I have to take way more notes about mm. what the project is that I'm working on because I – when I'm switching between projects, I can't rely on the things that I'm holding in my head to actually stay mm-hmm. in my head without being replaced by the new project. So I've learned to make way more notes when I finish a, the the work on project A and I'm switching over to project B. So I remember where it was that I, I was. And the other thing that I've learned to do is is to have um, have a, a, a physical activity that I use as a gear switching time. Oh, interesting. Um, so sometimes it's doing the dishes mm-hmm. or going for a walk, uh, yoga or whatever it is, but it doing something physical because that doesn't involve the verbal and problem solving part of my brain. And while I'm doing that, I am consciously thinking about what the next project is so that I'm ramping up to get to that. Sometimes it's I will walk, uh, you know, I will walk 15 minutes to my coffee shop or whatever. And, and then when I sit down, mm-hmm. um, I have a timer and, and say that I have to, I have to kind of just immediately jump in and spend usually uh, 15 minutes just working on that before I'm allowed to procrastinate. Um, because, mm-hmm. good, because good idea, good idea. Because otherwise, yeah. otherwise, that's the first thing I will do. First thing is you'll, you'll open that solitaire or that email or that Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan or Ellen, any any strategies for this? I like to play them off against each other. Uh-huh. Oh yes, yeah. I tell them both I love them, mm-hmm. and then I always hate the one I'm actually working on, and I'm thinking of how great it'll be when I get to switch to the other one. So that keeps one of them always alive in your heart <laughs> while you're doing the actual work of the other. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if I realized that I was using this as a tool to help switch between projects, uh, but maybe, maybe that's what it is, uh, because I don't think switching pro- projects has ever been a big obstacle for me. What I do do, though, is that I have chosen a soundtrack and a specific theme song for every story, every book I work on. Mm. And, and to be fair, I think almost every book I've written has been written to a soundtrack of the Silver Sun pickups, but... There is always a specific song that I'll listen to first and say, oh, this book is this song. Partials was Give Me Shelter by the Rolling Stones. And I would listen to that when it was time to work on that book. Marie Brennan makes a playlist of uh, when she is writing that is specifically about the uh, about her books. And then mm-hmm. she you can you can go to Spotify and listen right. to it while you're reading the book. It's pretty cool. 
I, I make a playlist, but you can't get it on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have to up your game. I guess yeah, so. Yeah. This has been great. I want to actually give everyone a chance to kind of give final words for this season. And just to imagine, there is a listener who has spent an entire year working on one story, and now they are done. Um, what, what, what do you want to tell them? What encouragement? What uh, discouragement? What do you What do you want to say to these people? Holy cow! Good job. Um, this is it's not easy, and reaching the end of anything, whether it's a short story or a novel, that's fantastic, and you should be really proud of yourself. I, I will jump on that and say the same thing. If this is your first, in particular, um, I remember still that moment of finishing my first and. I didn't, I, I, the most I've ever grown in my life as a writer was writing that first story. And finishing it was the most important point in my writing career to date. More important than getting the Wheel of Time phone call was actually sitting down and finishing that story. And I'd like to add that magic happens the moment you write the last word of the first draft. You don't believe it until you see it, which is that you've been slogging along over this landscape, trying to figure out how to get across rivers and whether this forest is going to be too dense or not. And suddenly, when you write the end to your even your first crummy draft, a magic helicopter comes, and it lifts you high above the landscape. And suddenly you can look down and go, oh, good Lord, there was a bridge just half a mile beyond where I forded the river and lost all my horses. When I do my revisions, I can take that bridge. Congratulations. <laughs> Dan or Howard, do you got anything? You're looking for Yeah, fun. no, no, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm imagining the magic helicopter that I wish had showed up for me. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, there, there are two principal differences between the working writer and the person who wants to be a working writer but is not yet. Difference number one is that the working writer has finished a book, has finished a project. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is the first big hurdle. The second big hurdle is that the working writer has finished two. You have finished one. Uh, it is it is time to put that that next notch. It is time to it is time to hit that next rung. All right. I actually was waiting for the end because uh, I'm going to give you your homework. I have uh, essentially built my career on trying new things. I wrote fantasy books forever, and then thought, you know, I'm going to try a horror novel, and loved it, and got published in horror. Uh, I did third person forever, and then I thought, you know what, I'm going to try first person this time. And just at, at every stage, and sometimes my editors get incredibly frustrated, Dan Wells, why did you send me this book when it's nothing at all like anything you've ever published before? Well, because I wanted to try something new. That's what you're going to do now. We want you to brainstorm new ideas. Go back to the beginning of the season when we talk about how to get ideas and what to do with ideas, and really branch out, push yourself. Work on something that is very new, either in a new genre or a new style or a new something but brainstorm, or brainstorm some ideas for a brand new project. Now, if I might be so bold, I want to mention something to you. You've been listening to these podcasts, and we have been on a boat. <laughs> Indeed, we are on the Writing Excuses cruise right now, and we are wrapping it up, but we are coming back next year. And as you are listening to this podcast, we have actually opened up the opportunity for you to make reservations to come with us to the Caribbean 
next year. So if you've ever wanted to, say, go to dinner with Howard and make wisecracks about his pants, <laughs> or if you've ever wanted to lay down at night comfortable in the knowledge that Dan is somewhere trapped on the boat with a knife <laughs> with you, then you can come on the cruise. If you want to see if you can write more words than me than one week, you can come on the cruise. Or if you'd like to go to a masquerade ball dressed up like a steampunker and meet Mary in her Regency dress, these are all things that happen on the Writing Excuses cruise. Um, we will post in the liner notes how you can come and reserve yourself a cabin, come along, hear from wonderful guest instructors, have breakout sessions, write books, and eat great food, and maybe fall in the ocean. Don't fall in the ocean. Don't fall in the ocean. They, they've stopped the boat. It's not good. You can fall in the ocean off the docks or on... I okay, fell in the sure. ocean several no, times. You can see the world. You can, you can go to countries that you wouldn't fly to because suddenly the boat is there in the morning going, hello, would you like to go to a new country? Because it's just outside the window. So, well, and, and I have yep. to say, because you mentioned me and a knife, um, <laughs> and everyone in the audience is laughing. Uh, two nights ago at dinner, a knife plummeted out of the sky <laughs> and hit my dining room table. So... Uh, some rad things happen on this cruise. Yeah. I mean, the trigger wire that he had placed for it was very clever. <laughs> oh, I thought it was the people on the deck above us. Yeah. Um, and as a final wrap-up, thank you, audience. Thank you for listening to our Writing Excuses Masterclass. Thank you for supporting us as a podcast all of these years, encouraging us, um, and writing along with us and becoming our colleagues as you finish stories. Thank you so much. Good job this year. Let's look forward to another great year. This has been Writing Excuses, Season 10 Masterclass. You're out of excuses, now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 